Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. And today we have another guest on the podcast. We got a Latina on, and she's going to be having, we're going to be having a great conversation about finances, all right, financial literacy and whatnot. So a little bit about our guest today. She is a financial educator. She helps women manage their finances and their lifestyle. She is the creator of the high five banking method, which we'll get into what exactly that is and how it can help you out. And something else crazy about her fun fact, her and her husband have paid off over $99,000 of debt, which is absolutely crazy welcome to the podcast Adonise Pierce how are you doing today thank you Chris so much for having me super excited to be here and to share my story and talk about the high five banking method and financial literacy my -hmm. second love language so (laughs) just thank you so much for having me absolutely thank you for jumping on the podcast Um, like I said we're excited to have you on today because you know financial literacy within the Latino community it's almost like taboo to to speak about in our household I don't know about you but growing up you know we didn't ask people how much they made or what they're saving and whatnot it was just like don't ask those questions so uh, before we get too deep into all that uh, I'd love to know more about your background. How did you get in this industry? Like what, what sparked this second love language of yours, right? Yeah, so my journey for in finance actually started in 08. You know, my family are immigrants from Dominican Republic and my dad was in the military. And the moment he went back to the DR as a military a veteran, my grandfather was like, mijo, invita tu dinero, comprate una tierrita. Like my dad was, I told him to invest in real estate. So wow. once he got out of the military, um, he started, you know, became a real estate agent here in San Diego. And, you know, as a Latino man of color, it's not always easy to, you know, build up <laughs> your career in that area. So he was very hardworking. My mom was a stay at home mom at the moment. And, you know, they build themselves up from the bottom to, you know, building mm-hmm. up their version of the American dream, where we had an amazing house, we had BMWs, my quinceanera was lit, wow. we were traveling to the Dominican Republic every single year. And it just felt like when times were good, times were good. But mm-hmm. because my dad was in real estate, and it's such a, you know, a flexible um, industry, uh, when once 08 happened, he, you know, his industry was hit the hardest. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't selling any homes. Mm -hmm. And he literally sat my sister and I down and told us, I can't afford the house payments. I can't Mm -hmm. afford the car payments. And please do not ask us about vacations or, you know, prom or spending any money because we don't have it. Mm -hmm. And a few months after that, you know, my sister and I, my mom, we were stressed out about money. Our relationship with money was changing. We lived in a situation of abundance and now it was, you know, Mm -hmm. regressing. And at that point, you know, I started learning, you know, that everything that you buy, just if you finance it, you know, like that car that you bought, if you don't own it down right, it doesn't realistically really belong to you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if yeah. you don't make those payments, the tow truck gonna come get that car, that house it. that you financed, you might have a mortgage, but if your house is not paid off, that house don't belong to you. That bank's going to own that house and they're going to mm-hmm. call the sheriffs over there. And that's exactly what happened. We lost our home. The sheriffs came. And I realized at that moment, I need to 
realize I need to take control of my situation. I was mm. kind of leaning into this financial fear and this financial anxiety, thinking that, you know, it is what it is. I can't control anything. We're always going to be in this never ending cycle of building ourselves up, building all this wealth and then losing it every single time there's a recession, every single mm. time the politics change, every time there's a speed bump going on. And I realized I have to turn my fear into power. And I realized, you know, I have to figure out this money game because mm -hmm. this hustling, hustle mentality can only go so far. And, mm -hmm. you know, in my community, in my household, we always talk about, you know, how to make money, make money, make money, make money. But we never talk about how to save our money, how to protect mm -hmm. our money, how to insure it, how to, you know, maintain the money. And that's when I started learning about finance and financial planning. And the moment I learned about financial planning, my mind just blew my, I just like, mm. it was a game changer for me because mm. I realized there are strategies out there so that we don't have to continue losing everything. Every time there's a recession, every time my dad's mm. not able to sell houses, we can actually learn about investing for retirement, emergency funds, paying off debt, um, wills, trusts, taxes. There's so much more into it, mm. but we don't know anything else outside just know. make more money. Make yeah. more money. That's the solution for everything. Mm. And that's not always the solution. And it's unrealistic to assume that you're always going to be in a position to just continue making more money. Keep that hustle mentality. Mm. And as my dad was getting older, you know, he got tired. You get to a point yeah, in life you where you out. cannot maintain it. You get burnt out. You're a person. You're not a robot. So you have to make sure you're protecting yourself and that, you know, you're using these different strategies in a way that mm. benefits you and your reality. And that's something that I learned in the financial planning industry. And unfortunately, once I even when I worked at Merrill Lynch, MetLife and at Ameriprise, there were no people that looked like you and me coming mm -hmm. in to get financial advice. We were right. coming in to like clean the building and, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, work yeah. as oh. an assistant or something like that. That's but being the actual financial advisors, being the actual clients, the actual clients that had 401ks, you know, money inherited mm -hmm. to us, we were not the target audience. Mm -hmm. And just going off the book was not going to be realistic for us. We had to find different, you know, baby steps to help us get to those levels. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know, we are not feeling financially empowered or educated on the basics, on the principles. We can mm -hmm. maneuver them, you know, however we need to. You know, some people be like, oh, save six month emergency fund. That's really difficult for people of our <laughs> in Man. our communities. Yeah. You need some, Talking you know, some it. strategies to get there. Strategies. And yep. that's what, what we're doing in poise finance and lifestyle. We're like, you know, I understand you need to save money. You want to live your best life, but you need to find a unique balance that works balance, for you yeah. in the moment of imbalance. You know, life is unbalanced. You know, sometimes you're doing good. Sometimes you're doing bad, but that's the balance in it. So you need to make sure that you're being realistic with your approach. And when it comes to um, my family and, you know, how we handle finances, that's kind of what created Poise mm -hmm. Finance and Lifestyle, learning how to manage your finance and lifestyle with poise. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not all about the money. It's also about making sure you're taking care of your well-being, that you're able to maintain what you're doing and you're protecting yourself on the journey of building generational wealth at the same time. Mm, you said a lot there. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, something something I do want to uh, unpack and, and dive into is you said something critical to me. You said your guys' relationship with money changed, right? Before mm -hmm. that, it was abundant. Now it's, it's more scarcity, a scarcity mindset, right? That, could you talk more about 
relationship with money because that's something that i think we, we preach a lot as well is like you got to look at what does that look like for you guys like what is it you know your relationship with money is it fearful is it uh like what, what what does that look like for you so could you speak more about what you mean by that Yes, I definitely think that when it comes to finance and personal finance, we need to be targeting it more like in a financial wellness aspect, Mm -hmm. as a holistic aspect, because we always tell people, oh, it's all about financial literacy. If you know about how much you should be saving, if you know more, you do better, right? Mm -hmm. You should be budgeting, you should be saving, you should be investing. But the reality is, how are you feeling? How are you actually dealing with all of these different, you know, things that you're dealing with? For me, at that time, you know, I was dealing with us not having a secure place to live, you know, always being fearful of tow trucks. Every time I heard one coming by, I was like, oh my gosh, they're mm. coming to take the car. You know, yeah. it was kind of scary. It was fearful. And I was allowing that to dictate other areas of my life. And I didn't even realize it until we lost the home mm. that I was getting into a, a career or a major I wasn't interest, interested in. I got into pharmacy, which was a recession proof industry, just because I was looking for stability. Not because I liked it or I was interested in it. I wasn't even good at it. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't even interested in it. So then you start realizing that you're making a lot of not just financial choices, but life choices life based choices. on fear and based off anxiety and your relationship with money. And you're not opening yourself up to what options you have and possibilities you have. You're closing yourself in, you're distancing yourself from your community and you're hiding stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. even from your partner. When my, my husband and I first met, we were dating. I couldn't even fake it. I couldn't fake Mm -hmm. what was going on. My parents were in the midst of a divorce. We just lost our home. The cars were still like about to be repossessed. I had to open up with him. I had, I couldn't, you know, lie about what was actually yeah. going on in my real life because it was affecting my relationship. It was affecting who I was becoming. And sometimes, you know, we'd let this take us in a negative route or become fearful and, you know, stay in that mindset. But you have to realize you have control and you have to focus on the things you can control. And that's going to give you the financial power um, to actually utilize all these financial resources that we have available. If you know that you can save money in case an emergency happens, you're going to be more strategic. Okay, how much money can I save? What's realistic for me? You know, I also want to make sure I can still do, you know, go to the gym and relax my mindset because if I'm stressed out, just trying to make money and save money, Mm. but I'm not relieving myself mentally from the day-to-day stress, I'm just going to burn out even quicker. So you need to find little ways to like de-stress yourself and really prioritize, you know, where you're at, consider where your partner's at and where your family's at as well, because you might be, you know, stressed out, but your mom could also be stressed out Mm -hmm. and y'all could be getting in arguments and not realizing, yo, I got to move because we're getting (laughs) into it. It's like, no, they're going through something. Acknowledge it. Don't ignore it. And I feel like, I don't know, maybe the communities I'm in, they always say, just ignore, you know, the situation, put your head down, keep going. Yeah, but the reality the is rug. we have to, yeah, just keep up underneath the rug, just keep going. Um, just focus on what you need to do. But a lot of times we have to heal through that mm-hmm. trauma and work through it and find different strategies that protect us and our heart, our mind, our finances, our, you know, ourselves from the trauma that we did experience in the past. And for me, you know, the moment that I was able to get a car, I wanted to buy that car cash because I didn't mm, want that fear of that yeah. tow truck coming, trying to repossess my car. Mm. I know if I hear a tow truck, they're helping me fix a flat tire. 
mm-hmm. you know, not the other way around. So you need to find little ways to protect yourself and to acknowledge what you're actually going through and not just ignore it. I feel like that's such a big part of it. And when we're talking to our family and friends, acknowledging that they're also going through stuff and not just, you know, thinking that they're just being mean to you or that mm-hmm. they're just being, you know, judgmental. They're going yeah. through stuff too, except that yeah. we're all human. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I love that. That's great advice. So uh, the recession happens in 08. You get into financial planning. Um, I'm assuming you, you meet your boyfriend at this time. Walk us through how did you get into $90,000 of debt? Like, where did that come from? I mean, it seems like you're, you got the, it seems like you got the right mindset. You're on the right track. You're in financial planning. Where did that come from? And how did you guys get over it? I think the most interesting part about calculating your debt is that it adds up so quickly. You just add in your car. You add in your student loans. You're already at a hundred thousand. Like there's no already way. There. Yeah. <laughs> already there. So one of the main things that opened up the conversation about debt for me and my partner um, was what happened during 08 you know my family wasn't the only family that was affected during 08 his family was also affected and when I talked to him about financial planning and I got into the industry they made it very clear you know you can't file bankruptcy right you mm-hmm. can't just you know wipe it <laughs> be out over here helping yeah. people with their finances and you're over here struggling like that's just mm-hmm. not how that works so I realized I was like man what if we do hit hard times right? And I do file bankruptcy and we're struggling. I lose my job. On top of all of this stress, you're telling me I still have to pay my student loans on top of all of this? Mm -hmm. That just brought another perspective of how toxic debt can be, even if it's considered a positive debt, Mm -hmm. like good debt. So, you know, mathematically taxes are like, oh, student loans is good debt. It is good debt. But on the other hand, it's still a responsibility that you have to handle regardless of what's happening. Because if you you don't pay those student loans. If I can interject really quick, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can you break down how it's good debt? I don't think people see that as good debt, but can you break that down? (laughs) The good debt versus bad debt? Yes. Especially with student loans. Like you just said, student loans could be a good debt. Can you break that down? I my. My theory when it comes to good debt versus bad debt is that there's no such thing as good debt versus bad debt. There's good Mm. decisions and bad decisions. Mm, If you're someone who who went to school and dropped out and you're not in your industry, you're going to look at your debt as bad debt. But if you actually went to school and you utilized your your career and your path, then you're going to consider it good debt if you're making good money and you're actually utilizing it. So everyone's debt is different. It depends Mm. on how they're actually utilizing it. You bought a car that's super expensive, but you don't even use it, then it's going to probably be considered negative debt. But if you utilize it every single day, it's something that you can afford, it's maintainable, it's not breaking down on you, then you're going to consider that good debt. You're like, yo, I have a really safe, dependable car. It doesn't give me issues. It's easy to maintain. doesn't cost a lot of money to, you know, fill up. Then you're going to view that debt a little differently. So I think it's really important to be very cautious on the decisions that you're making when you're getting into debt. And I know how difficult it is, especially with student loans, when you're so young. You know, it's one of the issues that I feel like I have with um, just going to college when you're so young is that you don't know what industry you want to be in for, Mm -hmm. for me. Like my husband, he is an artist, so he got into graphic design. He was already in it. Once he was like in middle school. So he knew Mm. what industry he wanted to be in. He was very clear on his major. But for me, on the other hand, I had no idea what I wanted to do. 
And it took some time to figure that out. But once I did figure it out, I found very a lot of benefit within it. But, you know, if I would have never been one of those people that figured it out, I probably would be really frustrated with the debt that mm-hmm. I did have. So when my husband and I joined our finances, um, once hearing about the financial planning industry, we started calculating our debts. And mm-hmm. even though we looked at our student loans, that's the majority of our debt on top of our cars, uh, his cars and my car at that time, it added up to such a monumental number, but we were very valuable. Um, we knew these were very valuable things in our lives. His degree allowed him to get open the door into his new industry. My degree opened the door to my industry. We had reliable vehicles. So we felt comfortable with the decisions that we made, but we knew that they were still going to hold us back financially. And it was a big responsibility, especially when we start adding in how much the student loan payments are, the car payments, the car insurance, all the little fine details. This debt really does add up. So you have Mm -hmm. to figure out how you're going to pay it off. And one of the interesting things about our debt-free journey is that, you know, we talked about debt, we talked about our finances early on, and when we decided that we wanted to get married, we said, you know what, we are going to set a goal to finish paying off our student loans before we get married. And it was difficult. I I actually do not recommend (laughs) to set two two, um, difficult goals at the same time because we were also saving for the wedding, trying to cash flow it so we don't end up going into credit card debt and also paying off our student loans. Mm -hmm. So there's two big goals that we're trying to accomplish. But, you know, we side hustled. My husband got a second um, side hustle after work. I was getting my certifications and getting bonuses and getting increase in my pay. And those were the things that kind of allowed us to kind of snowball both of those um, goals at the exact same time. It weren't easy to accomplish. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, 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 <laughs> we were not sure. the popular couple, you know, in San Diego. <laughs> um, everyone's always going out to eat, going to the right. beach, having fun. But we really had to buckle down and be like, no, mm-hmm. we got to do this. This is for us so that we can start our marriage on the right foot without having conversations, negative conversations about our debt holding us back when we want to buy a house, when we want to start a business, having kids. There's so much into it. And you really want to make sure that your debt is not holding you back from the future that you want to have, that your past Mm. isn't holding you back. So that's a decision that we both made. And because we both were in agreements, we killed it together. (laughs) (laughs) Not super dope. So once you guys finally paid off your debt, talk to us about the feeling like that, that last payment or whatever that was. Talk to us about that release that you guys went through. Oh my gosh. Our honeymoon is kind of like our uh, (laughs) memory of that. So when we got married, we literally finished paying off all of our student loans and we Uh cash flow the entire wedding. We flew out our family members, paid for their hotels, their suits. We felt like superheroes. So when we went to our honeymoon, everyone was thinking that we're celebrating our new marriage, but I'm like, we were actually celebrating two things, our new, Mm. you know, our our new marriage and also our debt-free journey that we just finished paying off. So it was like a big reward at the end. And it just felt like relieving once we came back home, I felt like, yo, (laughs) anything is possible. We can literally do anything together because look how much we accomplished in such a short amount of time. We knocked out these student loans. We paid off, you know, this wedding cash. We cash flowed it. Now we can do whatever we want. We can literally start businesses. We can start our family Mm. without that stress 
of that debt holding us back. So it's definitely feels like you just shed it <laughs> like dead skin and you're ready to be a new version of yourself. Yeah. And it feels great. Yeah, it's very empowering and it's almost dangerous because you feel like you can, you know, take on the world <laughs> at a certain point. <laughs> yeah, I feel that for sure. So now you're at a point where you went through this process and you're probably feeling like, okay, I want to educate other people. I want to help other people uh, with their finances and whatnot. Talk to us about the high five banking method. When did this come um, across and break down what, what exactly it is? Yes. So because I was in the finance industry, mm-hmm. I knew how to save up for goals. I knew how to set goals mm-hmm. and how to save up for them. Um, one thing that we did for our wedding was that we opened up a joint savings account and we both were contributing towards saving for that specific goal. Now, it kind of seems like second nature to us because, or to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, budgeting, paying off debt, setting goals, saving an emergency fund. It felt like second nature to me. It was like, I wasn't even thinking about it. And I didn't think about it for a really long time until I was into my second pregnancy, Mm. where I found out that my son was diagnosed with a heart defect Mm. and he would need open heart surgery either right after birth or a few months, like six or 12 months down the road. And once we found that out, my entire perspective of money, life, to be honest, changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. I realized that money was not the most important thing our family was making sure that, you know, I know that we want to hit all of these different financial goals, but we do not need to kill ourselves or pressure ourselves when we're already dealing with a lot. And mm-hmm. I told my husband the same day that we kind of found out everything was happening and we kind of calmed down from, you know, the emotional standpoint, we need to tackle this surgery and this real situation the same way we attacked saving for our wedding. So that same savings account that we had that for our wedding savings, it was empty at that point. We're like, you know what? This is the account that we're going to utilize to save for our son's open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure we figure out how much it costs, figure out how many days um, you're going to be off work. My husband's a, he's a business owner. So, you know, if you don't work, you don't get paid. (laughs) So you have to prepare to make sure the bills are taken care of and everything that we need is taken care of. So Once we gave birth, everything was great. He was one of the healthiest babies in the NICU. We were able to take our son home. And six months later, it was time for the surgery. He was a bit bigger. The heart was bigger. We were ready for that. And something that we learned, what we learned that we were experiencing when we were there, there was a lot of other families that were also, you know, in the waiting room, waiting Mm. to hear the results of their children. And there was a mom there, a couple there that, you know, she had to quit her job because they wouldn't give her time off to be there with her son, her daughter. Um, And the recovery was about like two weeks. And the dad, he left during the surgery to go do Uber to go, you know, make Mm. ends meet because they couldn't afford the surgery. He was sleeping out of his car. And you start realizing there's a lot of people out here who are dealing with some heavy stuff. And on top of that, they also have to deal with the financial responsibilities of real life, you know, paying their bills, paying their gar, um, paying for this surgery and things of this nature. And it just really humbled me. It made me feel super grateful to have, you know, that money saved in my savings account and knowing that when it came time for them mm-hmm. to be like, oh, let's charge the surgery, take mm-hmm. the card. I right. got the money. Focus on my baby. Don't worry yeah. about the money. We got that. 
And once we got home and everything was a successful surgery and everything like that, I realized that the way we managed our money was so vital. It was it was life changing, to be honest, to be mm. able to focus on my son 100 percent and not worry about the bills being paid because I knew they were paid. Not being, you know, penny pinching when it's time for me to buy some food at you know mm. the hospital, knowing that I had the money to buy the food, not worrying about, you know, um, if we had the money for my son's surgery, we had the money. And I told my husband when we got home, I'm like, we need to share this. We need to open yeah, up and talk to people about how we organized our finances because it was so powerful to know that we had the money in the right places. I didn't have to go look at Excel sheet. I didn't have to look at my bank account. I knew what I had and I felt crystal clear on mm. how to maneuver financially during these wow. difficult times where you don't even want to think about money at all. Mm -mm. And my husband was like, okay, well then how are we <laughs> managing our finances? You tell me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we have, you know, one checking account for our bills. We have another checking account for our lifestyle. We have our emergency fund right here. We have the money for our long-term goals right here and our short-term goals right over there. And he was like, well, how many accounts is that? I was like, five. Mm -hmm. And we we're like, oh my gosh, high five. <laughs> high five banking method we're like this yeah. is so dumb <laughs> it was like that yeah. magical moment we're like yeah. Yeah. we got there we got the name we know how to explain it and it was just a simple way to organize your finances with purpose mm. and it starts by having five bank accounts okay. the first checking account is going to be for your lifestyle for your bills checking account i'm sorry and the next let me start that again <laughs> no, so the high five banking method is composed of five bank accounts two checking accounts and three savings accounts with mm -hmm. the first checking account being for your bills. It's going to be where you put all of your mandatory bills, your housing, utilities, mm -hmm. car payment, gas, cell phone, healthcare, groceries. The next checking account is going to be for your lifestyle expenses. This is going to be for all your wants, your monthly wants that you want to do, like going out to eat, mm -hmm. Starbucks, you know, target runs for the ladies out there. Mm -hmm. And then the next savings Next step is going to be the savings accounts. The first one is your emergency fund, which I consider to be the most important savings account, where I recommend everyone to have at least three to six months of, of your bills checking account um, amount to have in your emergency fund, preferably in a high yield savings account. The next one's going to be for your long-term goals. These are goals that are going to take you know, more than a year, but less than five years to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to buy a house, if you want to pay for a wedding, anything that you know is coming up, but it's a big ticket item. And the last savings account is going to be for your short-term goals. This is kind of like a sinking fund for things that you know you want to spend on the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to spend a little vacation, go, you know, for Christmas, have fun for that, things for uh, annual memberships, you know, mm -hmm. you have the money for it. You're being proactive and you're planning everything out so that you're not surprised and accidentally getting into credit card debt. <laughs> mm. So that's pretty much what the high five banking method is. It has been such a solid foundation for our finances and it's allowed us to feel a lot more comfortable and confident when we're sticking to our budget, when we're setting goals and also making sure we have a solid foundation so we can build upon that. So when we're mm. starting our businesses, investing in our future, we know we have the mandatory things that we need taken care of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, that's that's super dope. So you guys come up with this banking method. Now, what are some of the ways that you start teaching it to people? You're like, okay, now we have to take to the, the people out there. Um, I know you have different resources, like uh, you got the YouTube account, you got your Instagram account, which is very 
informative. What are some different ways that you guys take it out to the, the, the people? I think the most important thing when it comes to teaching financial literacy is make it rememberable. Mm. So even when it comes to the high five banking method, I've made it so simple that I can teach my children about it. Every time they think about how many bank accounts should I have? Look at your hand. Five. What's the most important bill? um, What's the most important account that you need? Your bills. Once you paid Mm. your bills, give yourself a thumbs up. Don't wait mm. for someone else to congratulate you for paying your bills. You know you are on the right track and you are making pri- a priority the most expensive thing that you have to take care of, which is your necessities. You can't think about your future if your current situation ain't good. The second one is going to be your lifestyle expenses. The more pointing you do, the less of ability you're going to have to save. So if you, uh, if you spend a little less, stop pointing so much, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to save a little bit more and you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the emergency fund, anytime a difficult situation comes to your way, just throw your middle finger up and say, <laughs> I got you. Come hit me. I'm ready. I am ready for the emergency. I am I prepared. I have I the money. It. When it comes to your long-term goals, you got to stay committed to it. It's like your, you know, your engagement ring to it. You want to buy that house? Stay committed to it. It doesn't matter what the stock market is doing. It doesn't matter what politics are doing. You are committed to saving for that goal. Even if you have to change the, you know, the date a little bit, change the amount a little bit, you are flexible and you are ready to accomplish that goal. Now, when it comes to the short-term goals, it's the pinky ring. You got to keep pinky promise yourself. You're not going to go into debt anymore. (laughs) And that way to do that is to save for those things ahead of time. And I know it's difficult. Sometimes you're like, oh man, there's so many little things I want to do. Find the unique balance for you, for yourself. You know, sometimes you might have to say, you know what? I can't save a thousand dollars for Christmas. I'm going to have to reduce that to 500 because I want to, you know, put that money towards paying off debt or put that Mm -hmm. money towards buying a house, put that money towards a different goal that I have. You have to be flexible within your goals and even with your budget. That's why the powerful, the most powerful thing about the high five banking method is that you have to budget every mm. single month. It's a new budget. You mm. have to calculate exactly how much money do you need to put in your bills? How much money do you need to put for your lifestyle? Is it, you know, if during good times, you might put more during bad times, you might put a little bit less, be mm. flexible with it. You know, when it comes to your emergency fund, you know exactly how much you need to put in your emergency fund. It equals your bills. Whatever you're putting into your bills account, that's one month of how much you need to have in your emergency fund. And you build upon that. You know, I know it's difficult for minorities, you know, Mm -hmm. to save a large amount of money, but break that goal down every single year. Make it a goal to save at least one month of your bills. And I know Mm -hmm. if you live in a big city, you're like, hey, that's a more realistic goal for me, (laughs) for myself, instead of saving, you know, but $10,000 in one year, that might be too much. <laughs> Bring mm-hmm. it down. <laughs> Something yeah. more realistic for yourself and stay committed yeah, to those long-term that. goals and those short-term goals. And, you know, those are the small ways that we're teaching even our kids about generational wealth and how to manage their finances. And if you can teach a kid, you can teach anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say the way I-, I love the way you just broke it down, because like you said, if you can teach it to a kid, you can teach it to anybody. And financial literacy is not sexy. It's not always fun. It's not, like I said in the beginning, it's taboo to talk about. But the way you broke it down, it's interactive, it's fun. And it's most important thing, it's easy to understand. It makes it doable, right? They say, uh, what's the saying? They say the easiest way to eat a cow is one bite at a time, right? Like taking one little bite at a time, and then you'll be able to accomplish your goals and get to where you want to be. and man, I, I just I just love the way you broke that down. It makes it so much easy and simple uh, for people out there and even for myself, for sure. <laughs> 
Yeah, yes, definitely. Yeah. And that's the fun part. You can teach your kids about it. And once they turn 18, they cannot say that mom and dad didn't teach us about, you know, how to organize our finances, how to budget, how to save an emergency fund, how to set goals. You're teaching so many little things um, at the exact same time without even realizing it. And that's mm-hmm. the powerful thing about the hi-fi banking method and being purposeful with how you are saving, how you are spending and how you're investing. Yeah. So the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, right now they say we're not officially, we're in a recession or not. People are like, we are, we're not. A lot of financial people, a lot of the people in the financial spaces are like, yeah, we're definitely in a recession. We've been in a recession. With that being said, um, I'd love to give some advice to people out there. And, you know, a lot of people have many different opinions about saving money. People say, people think that they should just be saving all their money just to save, save, save. Or there's some people out there that say I should be investing everything. And I think in the times like today, to me, it reminds us why cash is king, right? The reason why you need to have some type of cash on hand, the reason why you need to be um, liquid at at some type of point, right? Um, What is your thoughts about that? The recession, um, you know, the last time you were in one, you know, it kind of it hit you guys pretty hard. So I know you're probably doing everything in your power to prepare or you guys have been preparing probably. Talk to us about that. I think the most interesting part about now hearing, you know, that we're might be in a recession and all that. The most interesting part about it, when I think about it, like from a well-being part, is that the first time it came around, I wasn't ready. You know, Mm. I was young. I wasn't prepared. My family wasn't prepared. But what I got to say to this recession now is come at me right now. Yeah, come yeah. hit me right now because I've been practicing at the gym. I'm ready to box. I'm ready to box. You're not going to come from my family. You're not going to come for mm. the wealth, all the hard work I've built up. You're not going to even come close to me because I'm preparing myself during the good times. And I know for a lot of times, you know, in the Latino community, everybody's always like, oh, let's go have fun. Let's, you know, enjoy ourselves. I'm somebody who do it with moderation. I'm going to have my vacations, you know, save for my emergency fund and also make sure that I'm building a strong foundation so that when I'm building, I don't have to keep on starting from zero again, Mm. because that's too much work. (laughs) It's too much energy (laughs) to to continue. Yeah, every single time there's a recession. And again, it's a natural part of our economy. If you're right. in finance, you know that if you study econ, you know, it's coming. So mm-hmm. not preparing for it is not an option for me. So mm-hmm. one thing that my husband and I have done to better prepare ourselves mentally and financially is to create an SOP for our finances, wow. which is pretty much a standard operating procedure. Him and me, we want to make sure that we are on the same page and know that we have a game plan A, B, and C ready to go just in case life does, you know, twist up on us because it's going to happen. It might be a recession. It might be a family emergency, death in the family, a job loss. The options are limitless, to be honest with you. That's part of life. That just Mm -hmm. happens all the time. So regardless if we're in a recession or not, we need to be prepared as a household, make sure our finances are clear of what needs to be cut, kept, or reduced during difficult times. And it needs to be no, you know, no he say, she say, no arguments. Mm -hmm. It's him and me against the problem, not him and me against each other. And I feel like when my family was going through that, my mom, she just gave the responsibility to my dad. That's like the Latino way, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the man takes care of the money, all of that. The woman takes care of the household. 
So because I'm a woman in finance, I said, no, you know what? I want to be in the decision-making as well. It's not his responsibility to do everything. We're a team. We got to make sure we're protecting each other and that we're both thinking through this strategically of what financial options we have. If we need to increase our income, what's our options? If we need to save money, how much do we need to save? And be very clear on what our situation is, our risk tolerance, because his mm. risk tolerance could be different than mine. You know, mm. my risk tolerance is I'm not trying to be homeless again. So mm. <laughs> we need yeah. to make sure we're secure in our situation, regardless of what happens. I don't care about what investment opportunities are available if I'm struggling and we're not, we don't have a car, we don't have a house we can't you know buy groceries for our kids we need to make sure that we are still both aligned on what's most important that's making sure that we can get through this storm mm. so that one of the main things i recommend everyone to do is to get an sop for your finances not just for your financial well-being but also for your mental and well-being in general you want to make sure that you are not you know blind to what's going on <laughs> making mm. sure that you're communicating with your partner. You know, a lot of people are losing their jobs right now. Mm. Uh, companies are a little rocky. They're seeing the red flags. Do not be blind to that. Talk about that with your partner. If you have a, you're in a serious relationship, talk to your family members. You know, my mom, she's not in the workforce. So for her, she doesn't know what's going on. She's not right, watching right. the news or the stock market. You know, that's, that's not, that's never been part of her routine. So as, you know, a daughter, <laughs> I'm making sure she's aware of what's going on. Yo, inflation's at 9.1%. These mm. flights are going crazy. All she sees is the flights in the Domingo. It's like, yo, these flights in the Domingo are getting expensive. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, that's all she worried about. But I'm like, yo, you know, there's situations going on with, you know, the pilots, the striking and all that. You know, it's your responsibility, you know, to open up these conversations that are real. Mm with your family members and making sure that as a unit, everybody knows what's going on. No one's kind of caught off guard. That way everyone could be start, you know, making their own SOPs and figuring out what they need to make or what they need to make modifications to in their budget, mm -hmm. being clear on, you know, what options you have um, when it comes to unemployment. Yo, like during the pandemic, uh, people, you know, they were getting these extra $600, but they don't even know how much their actual unemployment benefits would have been if they didn't get that $600. And that's mm. something you need to know. You got to be like, got to be realistic right now. And I feel like that's really difficult because we're so used to the stock market booming. We're right, used to, right. you know, um, being able to just job hop from here to there. Yeah. What happens when that slows down? What's the next game plan? And for a lot of people, they're just like, oh, that was my game plan. <laughs> just make more money yeah and they keep money. relying on that on that you know foundation just make more money and that's not something that's sustainable when times are slowing down when mm -hmm. the economy's slowing down when you know the stock market's slowing down you're like okay yeah. now i yeah. can't day trade as quickly as i you know i probably could have been doing during the pandemic that what happens when that's not an option no more what are you willing to sacrifice or willing to maneuver when it comes to your budget? Are you, you know, you're going to cancel Netflix or you're going to just hang in there and get into credit card debt? It's one or the other at this point because mm -hmm. credit card debt is jumping up rapidly right now yeah. and interest rates are catching up right there with it. Right <laughs> and we there. don't realize that every time we hear the feds are raising the interest, uh, the Fed rate, everyone's like, oh, okay, I'm not buying a house right now. It's not a big deal. It's like, this affects your credit card, mm. your, you know, your student loans, all the other things. And then when they realize they're like, oh snap, that's not, that's not good. I was like, that's why we have to be, you know, 
having involved in what's going yeah, on and, and having yeah educating yourself too yeah. Yes. And being involved. So I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to be doing, especially in the black and brown community. We need yeah. to be setting up SOPs, having these conversations and being realistic with what you can actually do. Because a lot yeah. of times we say, I'm gonna get three jobs and, you know, you burnt out after doing your second shift. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be realistic here. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's entailed in your SOP? Because when I think of an SOP, I think of business. I think of like, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys created this and you can pass it along to the family just in case, God forbid, something happens. Maybe your kids can know, like, OK, this is how I can manage my finances and whatnot. What what goes into what you guys created? So it's pretty, pretty much like doing an annual financial review, a mini annual financial review, but taking action on it. So what would happen in the worst case scenario? Let's say you do lose your job. You got to be very clear on what income streams you got coming in. You got dividend income, unemployment mm-hmm. income, you know, side hustles, what options do you have there? Next up, you want to be very aware of how much savings you have mm-hmm. and how much investments you have. You know, in the worst case scenario, if you need to pull money from your brokerage account, you got to pull money from your brokerage mm-hmm. account. You can't yeah. be, you know, not having a place to live, no cell phone, no car. That's not a reality. We have to be very clear that money is a tool and is there to help you mm-hmm. make, help you achieve different financial goals or help you figure out different financial solutions that you may need. And during difficult times, you have to be realistic with yourself. You know what? I may have to reduce how much money I'm contributing to my 401k. Mm-hmm. I'm not making ends meet. I'm getting heavy into credit card debt right now. You need to be very realistic and open with what your actual financial picture is looking like. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone who doesn't budget, it's time to budget. It's not a choice. (laughs) You have to be very crystal clear how much money you can spend when money is tight. Mm -hmm. And that's very important because I know a lot of people, you know, they're not used to it. They're like, ah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't want to do it. (laughs) It's not a choice. You got to do it. You got to make sure that you are very clear on how much your bills are and how much your lifestyle expenses are and not allow your lifestyle expenses to put you into credit card debt or not have you being able to, you know, fulfill that um, that responsibility when it comes to your bills. The other portion of the SOP, once, you know, you do handle the financial um, responsibility part is being very clear on how much money you need for your emergency fund. Because mm-hmm. during difficult times, that's that's your, you know, your plan B right there. You got to rely on your emergency fund. If you're not getting any income coming in, you already utilize, um, you know, all your unemployment, your savings is your second line of defense. Mm-hmm. So you need to make sure that you have enough money in there based on your risk tolerance, your job security, and if you have dependents. Because if you got kids, you have, a, you know, less flexibility. You need more money. That's just the reality. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, stay at your mom's house if she doesn't have, you know, an extra room. She only has a couch. That might work when you're single. But then when you have little kids, you know, you got to bring them some type of level of stability and make sure that, you know, you're accomplishing everything that they need so that they can, you know, thrive and go to school and be focused on what they need to be focused on. Not, mm-hmm. oh, snap, we're sleeping on the floor right. at grandma's house. <laughs> you know, yeah. that can bring up a lot of trauma. So you really want to make sure you are utilizing that emergency fund as much as possible. And then the last step of the SOP is to create a cut, keep and reduce mindset of creating a game plan A, B and C of what what you're willing to do if you need to keep this Mm. expense. What are you willing to do if you need to reduce this expense? What are you willing to do if you need to cut this expense and give yourself 
a game plan of how to actually attack those um, different scenarios. And a lot of times it's doing research, seeing what um, services and programs are available in your community for utilities, um, figuring out what services are available when it comes to um, you know, your credit card, can they lower the amount? Can they move the date? Can they mm -hmm. pause the interest for a few months? What options do you have to help you get through this storm? Mm -hmm. And from there, creating a game plan for you and your partner, or just you if you're single, doesn't matter. You don't have to be in a relationship to do an SOP, seeing what options do I really have? And what can I actually do during these difficult times where, you know, I might be stressed out, going to depression, mm -hmm. um, you know, not able to make enough money to make ends meet? What financial options do I have? And because, again, we live in America where if you're hungry, we got food stamps, you know, we got programs mm -hmm. here. Yeah, Utilize them. We got to yeah. let go of that ego that we have saying I'm too good to apply for unemployment. I'm too good mm -hmm. to, you know, apply for food stamps utilize the options that you have when you need them. And if you don't need them no more, let them go. It's okay. That doesn't let define who you are. That does not mean you are less successful. Does that mean you could bully yourself and beat yourself up because you didn't, you know, achieve a goal or couldn't invest or whatever. Focus on the foundation, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family and taking care of your mindset during this difficult time. Because again, recessions, pandemics, all of these things, they don't just affect our pockets, they affect our real lives. Yeah. And that's the part that I need everyone to really understand. This is bigger than just finances. This is your real life. This is your mm. mindset. This is how you're going to approach, you know, entering your next career, your relationships, um, your connections with your community. You have to be very clear that you have a strong community and you're keeping your mindset strong when you're dealing with these difficulties because, hey, we're all seeing inflation jumping up. We're seeing yeah. the news. We're not blind to it. So just make sure that you're, you know, <laughs> making some adjustments as necessary, yeah. but you're also thinking about them from a place of calmness and mm. not in a situation where it's kind of like fight or flight because a lot of times we'll make decisions that are irrational because we're like in the heat of the moment and sometimes those decisions have big consequences like you know getting into heavy credit card debt yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and i'm realizing you know what i could have canceled that vacation for the summer and saved that for my emergency fund and rearranged how i manage my finances so this way i wouldn't have ended up in this situation just been like it is what it is Start making the adjustments now. Don't wait until, you know, it starts to rain to start saving. <laughs> Look, I could probably talk to you for like two, three more hours because there's a bunch of questions and some things that we can dive into, but I don't want to hold you up all day. You know, something before we go, we can start wrapping this thing up. I want to say is I love the fact that what you preach is you preach taking care of your wellness and your family and like your unit, your tribe, take care of your people around you before you start doing other things, right? Like I think social media can pressure a lot of us to invest in these meme coins and whatnot and taking the money that's supposed to be emergency money and dumping it into something hoping, but you really need to be focused on yourself and taking care of your well-being before you start, you know, uh, putting your money in other places. So I, I love the fact that you preach that. Because like I said, a lot of people will bring them on, they might, we might ask for suggestions for the recession or something like that. And they're just like, yeah, just, just invest all your money, just, you know, put, put all your money into this. And it's like, no, that's not realistic for everybody, right? That's not ideal for everybody. People, um, you know, part of building wealth is, is, is obviously taking care of you and your family and then taking those steps 
to getting to the point where you can put your money into different stocks and crypto and whatnot in the real estate market. So I, I, I love that you preach that very much needed. Yes, definitely. And again, in the Latino community, I get it. You know, sometimes yeah. we're used to doing, you know, a lot with the little and yeah. we're seeing opportunities all over the place to get out of the situations that we're in. But it's very difficult to focus on your future when your current situation is not good. It's, going, it's tumbling down, crumbling right in front of you. So that's one of the main reasons why I always preach, take care of yourself first, mm -hmm. get out of survival mode and jump up the steps, you know, the next step, the next step, the next step, where you can position yourself to start investing in yourself, position yeah. yourself to start a business, position yourself to get into real estate, position yourself to, you know, start a brokerage account or retirement. Mm -hmm. But if you are just jumping up from survival mode to invest in, you know, in real mm -hmm. estate, you're probably going to lose it all. Yeah. And you put all that energy, all that effort into something that is just, keeps you in that, that cycle, never ending cycle, mm. building yourself up, losing it all after every recession, mm. every war, every economic downturn, every single time and having to start again from the bottom, position yourself, focus on the foundation. And trust me, the, once you start building up that house, it is going to stay up. That's mm. the main thing. It's not just getting the house. The goal isn't just getting the house. It's maintaining the house, keeping mm. the house, paying it off. It's the goal isn't just to get married, it's to build a good relationship, it's right. to maintain that marriage, stay married, and go through the ups and downs together. That is the actual goal. I think a lot of times we kind of get lost in that. We think that yeah. the goal is just uh, accumulating. Mm. And if we lose it, it's not a big deal. Losing it is, <laughs> that's yeah. like doing the opposite of what the goal <laughs> is. We think of the goal is like, no, nah, I'm trying to stay married. I'm trying to yeah. pay off the house. I'm not trying right. to lose it. So that's one of the different uh, mindset that we have to kind of like rearrange for ourselves. And I think the older we get, the more we learn, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff. We might need you on for a part two, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. You let me know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, with that being said, you know, I want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for your energy and your presence and your wisdom. Uh, where can people reach out to you if they have any questions or if they want to get more information from you? Um, let the people know and we'll drop all the links in the description of this podcast so people can go ahead and check you out as well. Yeah, definitely find me on Poise Fight thepoiselifestyle.com. Mm -hmm. I have more information there about the HiFi banking method, the SOP, how much money you need to save for your emergency fund. I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and I hold Q&A so you guys can send me questions. You can DM them to me. Uh, right now, my stories, I kind of put it out there on the weekends. Yeah. You know, send me your finance questions and I'll do a video to kind of answer our community questions. I know in our, in our community, we get kind of embarrassed, you right. know, a little shy to ask personal finance questions with someone who is, you know, in the industry. So I keep everything anonymous. I answer mm -hmm. guys' questions and videos so that, you know, not just you're getting the information, but your friends and family and our community can grow and become more knowledgeable of how to strategically, you know, use these emergency funds, use budgeting, use paying off mm -hmm. debt, how to benefit our lives in general so that we're all growing together. We're not just, you know, keeping the information, you know, yeah. under lock and key. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Uh, with that being said, thank you once again. Share this episode with one of your friends and family that needs to hear this. And trust me, 
everybody needs to hear this information. So share it with somebody. Go, don't forget to follow us on Latin Wealth on Instagram. And with that being said, it's your boy, Chris. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.